Thank you for choosing to connect with North Collins Wesleyan Church. We are a church of all ages that is passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our congregation enjoys worship, fellowship, discipleship, and community outreach. Our worship services are every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. found in North Collins, New York. The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Justin Leininger. Again, thank you for joining with us, and we hope you enjoy. One of the main things we often try to experience or to create at Christmas is a certain atmosphere, right? We want a certain atmosphere, a certain feeling, a certain glow, a certain tingly feeling on our arms at Christmas. Even if it's just for like one day, we want that one day where we can sit and in many ways I believe we're trying to create a certain peace at Christmas, right? It's that peaceful Christmas ah kind of feeling like, yes, I am just there. My mind is at ease. There's a glow. There's a smell. There's an atmosphere and it is Christmas. That feeling at a peace at Christmas. We want that feeling. And it is, it is like sunshine that's wrapped in snow and dipped in chocolate all in one kind of day and feeling and experience. And we want that at Christmas. And the truth is we go to all lengths to try to make it happen. First off, we cut down trees, right? We cut down trees and we call them Christmas trees, but we cut down trees and we drag them into our houses. We deal with months of finding pine needles stuck to the bottom of our socks and we do all of that to create a glow, right? Because what are we going to do? We're going to take those Christmas trees and we're going to put them up in like usually our favorite parts of the house next to our televisions in our living rooms and like in the key centers of our house and we're going to wrap them in lights and cover them with all kinds of shiny things. We're going to create a fire hazard right in the middle of our house, our favorite place. We're going to create this fire hazard because we want that peaceful atmosphere, right? We want, we want first that smell of pine, whatever, that just says Christmas, and then we want that glow that can only come from the lights of a Christmas tree. We need that glow and that feeling of Christmas, that peaceful feeling. And sure, we could probably get all of that from like three candles set up at key places in our house, but that would be way too easy. It's much easier to cut down a tree and to drag it into our house and to go through that whole situation. We need that because we want the peace at Christmas. In the background of all of that, maybe lightly at least, but somewhere in the background, we're going to play music, right? Music is a big part of setting that atmosphere, that peace, that glow. And so we play a variety of songs that during the rest of the year, we would never listen to, right? But at Christmas, for some reason, we will put up with these things. In fact, we will pretend that we love them and enjoy them. Songs about Dominique the donkey, Rudolph and drummer boys, all different kinds of things we will put through our minds because we, we need it, right? We need it. And there's even a little part of you that loves when you're listening to the radio and you hear jiggity jig, ee-aw, ee-aw, right? Yes, there's a small part of you that just enjoys that and you look forward to it and that is okay. But we do that, don't we? If Right now, for example, in our, in our culture, there's something called Spotify. For those of you who don't know, it's a way to listen to music. And so Spotify is very famous right now because they're releasing this wrapped report. And it's, it's a report that tells you all the main things that you listened to this past year in 2019. Like, what are the main music and songs that are there? And if I had a wrapped report from my year of listening to music, you would never, 
ever find, I can tell you, you would never find on that list Bruce Springsteen, Michael Blue Bay, The Muppets, or Justin Bieber on that list. You would not find those things there. But at Christmas, right? At Christmas, you might just find those names. Okay, not Bruce Springsteen, but the rest of them, maybe, you might still find there. And we do that because we want that feeling of peace, that glow, that atmosphere at Christmas. We want that. We go to all lengths. We try to set that feeling. We allow ourselves to say, oh, it's Christmas. And we want that tingly feeling and that atmosphere, the peace. And we'll do almost anything. Almost anything. Are you ready for this? I don't think you're ready for this, and that's okay. But we will do almost anything. For example, this year, and this might change your Christmas experience forever. This year, you can go to Walmart and for $18.99, $18.99, I know you're thinking, this sounds like a deal already. I am sold already for just, for just $18.99, you can get a Kentucky Fried Chicken scented Yule Log to put in your fireplace. This is a real thing so that your house can smell like roasted Kentucky Fried Chicken at Christmas. I mean, let's be honest, nothing says Christmas, nothing sets the atmosphere like burnt Kentucky fried chicken in your house. I, I've changed your Christmas forever. You are welcome. $18.99. $18.99. We want that feeling though, right? We want that peace at Christmas. And, and honestly, we're promised that in the Bible, right? It says at Jesus' birth, Peace on earth has come, right? Peace on earth has come. And we are told, we are, we're, we're instructed that we have the chance to have peace at Christmas. And as we look at Jesus' birth, this is one of the things that we really want. And we talk about it every year, right? It's one of our four main topics. Hope, peace, joy, love. It's one of those keys that's so important to Christianity, so important to Jesus' birth, so important to who we are. It's here. But I have to wonder, if peace is central to Christmas, what, what does that really look like? And are any of us really experiencing that peace at Christmas? Besides maybe a little bit of Christmassy glow, whatever that looks like, a pine tree, a Christmas tree in your house, or, or maybe a KFC Yule Log, which is even better, right? What, whatever that looks like, whatever that smells like, whatever that tastes like for you at Christmas, besides that little bit of glow and atmosphere, do any of us really have peace at Christmas or the rest of the year? In Luke chapter 2, we find the birth narrative of Jesus, and we find some of the keys to peace in this passage. We see exactly how peace is experienced and how it isn't, and this is important because as we look at our world, at our culture, at our, our politics, at our lives, at our schedules, at our stresses, at our finances, at all of those things that we're like, this, these things don't seem very peaceful. We don't want to become disillusioned with Christmas. And so here we get an honest look at, hey, this is what peace that came into this world really looks like. This is what it's really about. And we will learn that we can find peace through the birth of Jesus Christ. Most specifically, peace that addresses two very real things. And I believe the two things that attack and are opposite of peace more than anything else in this world. Fear and anger. Those things that destroy 
the peace that we have in this world, we find out how we can experience not maybe getting rid of those things in our life, but dealing with those things in our life so that we can truly find peace. And so let's look now at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. And your pew chair Bibles, if you want to look there, is found on page 1014. And here in Luke, what we find is from the Gospels written about Jesus' life, those are the books that start the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Really, we only get a, a true birth kind of story from Matthew and Luke. And so Matthew was written much more for the Jewish people, and that's why you get things from Joseph's perspective, because we're trying to really prove and talk about that kind of thought of things for Jewish people about Jesus. Luke was written much more for the Gentiles. It's written for all of us, and it's written from a perspective that says, hey, here are the details, here are the facts of what happened. And so in Luke, we get this wonderful look at Jesus' birth, and we see it a little bit through Joseph's eyes, but also through Mary's, and then we get to see it through shepherd's eyes, which in many ways kind of represent all of us a little bit more. Just people in the world, how were they impacted by this birth? So this is what we see, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. It says this, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went from, up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no guest room available for them. Verse 8 tells us, we kind of switch characters here. Verse 8 says this, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds had said. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20 says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I believe here this morning, we don't have to raise our hands, we don't have to testify to this, but I believe each and every one of us, if we were honest, and I think we could be honest about this, would say that we have all experienced and felt in our lives fear and anger. And probably moments of fear and anger together. Anger and fear that to, the, to a point we were left unsettled, upset, we were left shaken. And you have probably been shaken by fear and maybe you have been shaking in anger before. We have experienced those things. Just like you in the past, I, I have experienced this. 
disappointment in someone or in someone's people who have failed me, who somewhat abandoned me, who put me in a difficult situation probably needlessly, and then maybe most irritatingly proceeded to take no fault, responsibility, or offer any kind of help into my life. Have you ever had someone in life who just made your life more difficult than it needed to be, like purposely just made your life more difficult? I've been put on the spot in front of other people where those feelings well up, where I, I want to slam whatever is in front of me, the table in front of me, right? And I just, just want to slam it. And, and I know the slamming won't do any good, and I probably, probably don't slam the table. I don't want to, but while it won't do any good, it'll feel really good, right? Like, like it'll feel really good, and you want that because you are upset, and there's that mix of fear, but the fear brings you to anger at times, and you have all of those emotions, I, probably like you, have been put in situations where, honestly, I felt fear for the situation that I was placed in and, and angry for being put there at no fault of my own and with, with no sympathy or recognition. When I think about peace, true peace, this is what I find to be actually the opposite of that peace, right? The complete upheaval of my spirit that I find can really only come from these two things, being threatened and being angry. Nothing just throws my spirit and my heart upside down like those two things. And when those two things, if they ever have the opportunity to come together, well, we all know that that is not good at all. Have you ever felt fear? Felt like life was turned upside down, like your world was about to collapse? That is not peace. Have you ever felt angry? Like you were boiling inside? felt disappointment that just fills you. That is not peace either, is it? When we think about the peace at Christmas, we think about peaceful Christmas scene, the glow in the atmosphere. This is not the peace of Christmas, and honestly, it never was. Have you ever been to the birth of a child? Have you ever been to the birth of a child? I have been to three And as I would describe those experiences that were wonderful and fantastic, I would say this, if I could describe them in two words, the two words would be not peaceful. Not peaceful is what I experienced. And I will say that my wife is a hero. For two of our three children, she birthed them without any pain medication. She is amazing beyond belief. And I will say that those experiences that I had, they were fantastic. And I would I would not miss those for anything in the world. The New York Jets in the Super Bowl, nope, I'm going to be at the birth of my kids because those were fantastic experiences, but they were not. They were not peaceful experiences. They were not. With our daughter, Stella, it was 28 plus hours of induced labor. It was just, it was just not peaceful. It was not peaceful at all. I remember it well. I was there for all of it because I wasn't going to be anywhere else. And I can remember at like hour 16, it was like the middle of the morning after a whole night of thinking this was going to happen and it wasn't and like all of the things with it, being exhausted and I'm in the hospital and I'm there with my wife, Julie, and I'm, I'm on one of those couches that they have in hospitals. Why do they make those couches that way, right? So like, it's like you're trying, like I'm at a point where you realize like, okay, this isn't happening right this moment. Maybe I'll just try to close my eyes. But when they make those couches in hospitals, it's like they think of like, what is like everything that makes a couch comfortable? 
Let's be not that. Like, let's be the opposite of that. Let's make it too short. Let's make it weird and stocky. Let's make sure you can't, like, sit or lay and, like, make the angles too harsh that you can never, like, lay. And let's make sure that the armrests are just, like, nails in the back of someone's head or body. Like, let's make it so, so difficult to be around. And that's what it was like. But I will tell you this. When I, when I think of how uncomfortable and unpeaceful that I might have been in those moments, I remember this. Jesus was born in a stable. He was born in a stable, and most likely at this time in history, being born in a stable meant that Jesus was born in a cave. He was born in a place that was just kind of hollowed out from a mountainside to create shelter for some animals. He was born in a cave, and so when I think about that fake couch that I was blessed with, I realized that the fake couch wasn't so bad, was it? Yeah, I mean, at least I had a couch. I could have been in a cave. We recognize that Mary and Joseph had a difficult trip. They had no room to stay anywhere but with animals in a stable. Sure, my birth experience had many interruptions by by nurses and doctors and all kinds of annoying checkups, and you get those moments where you felt like you could just turn off the lights, like the baby had been taken to get some kind of checkup, and you had like a half hour, and we're going to turn off the lights, and we're going to get like some kind of sleep just for like doctors and nurses to come in to do the 700 millionth checkup and check in on things and to like turn lights on and all of those things, but while I had all of those interruptions and things that I had to deal with, you know what I didn't have? Random shepherds stopping by after the birth experience. Yeah, that didn't happen. I didn't have smelly guys who have been in the wilderness for like 24 months in a row who don't even know what a bath or a shower is just show up randomly and be like, hey, how's it going? Like, I didn't have to face that. We like to think to ourselves, oh, but they had a pretty star, right? They had a pretty star in the sky. It was probably wonderful and dreamy. Nowhere in the Bible. Does it say this experience and this mood and this atmosphere was wonderful and dreamy? It was birth in a cave with with random smelly guys stopping by. That's what it was. So we recognize that's not the peace that came at Christmas. That's not the peace that came at Christmas. The peace that came at Christmas was much more to do with what's happening in here than with anything that was happening out here in the atmosphere. And I recognize that's, that's a good message. We talk about peace every year at Christmas. It's, it's part of our Christmas Advent tradition, right? And we talk about peace. And, and other years, I've talked about how we, we need to make sure to calm down and find peace in our Christmas. We need to relax. We need to check things out. We need to appreciate the atmosphere that we have, appreciate time with family and slow down, recognize Jesus' birth. And that's a wonderful message. And that's a wonderful topic with peace. And probably we'll go back to talking about that next year. And so if you want that message, 52 weeks from now, you'll get it. Just wait and be patient, and it'll come back. I'm sure next year we'll talk about that kind of peace. But this year, I just felt really called to talk and to understand what is the true peace that came at Christmas? Because that first Christmas, it wasn't that atmospherically peaceful. It didn't smell like pine needles. There was no KFC Yule log burning in their fire. If they even had the warmth of a fire, that's not the peace that came at Christmas. The peace that came in Christmas had to do much more with very real things that impact our lives. We recognize this. Nothing attacks peace in our lives like fear and anger do. And that is what God was addressing when he gave us peace. He gave us the opportunity for each and every one of us to deal with, to overcome the fear and anger that's in our lives. That is the peace 
Christmas. So how does that happen? How did Jesus' birth address that peace? First, let's understand where fear and anger come from. For the most part, fear and anger, they come from the same source. They're just different responses that we all have to that source. Fear and anger, they come from the lack of control in our lives. Think about that for a second. Fear and anger, they come from when we lack control. From any kind of moment of fear and anger in our lives, it's when we don't have the control in our hands. I think back to even simple things, like being bullied in school. Why does the bullying hurt so much? Because you've got no control over that situation, right? And what do we even recognize over the person who's doing the bullying, the person who's, who's mean, who's angry for some reason? They are lashing out and they're trying to get control in one of the few areas maybe they have control because most likely they are surrounded with a life where control and things are out of control and they have none of it. When we are rude, when we're jerks, when we're angry, but on the other side, when we are fearful, when we're downcast, when we feel alone, when we feel like we just want to crawl in a hole, it all comes from what? The fact that we don't have control in our lives. We don't have control. In just these moments surrounding Jesus' birth, we see fear play a huge part in many people's lives because they don't have control. We see it in the lives of Zechariah, of Mary, and of these shepherds. Do not be afraid. The angels have to implore them. Not just because these angels have appeared who are bright and who are who knows what, and maybe that's a little bit of it, but it's because the whole situation that's around them in these moments is out of their hands, out of their control completely. Why? Why do the angels take this so seriously and say, do not fear, do not be afraid? Because they understand that fear and anger are dangerous. They are dangerous in our lives. Those, uh, those emotions, those feelings, they erupt from inside us. They can take over. They destroy life around us. They destroy life for us. And in many ways, they can be uncontrollable. Anger and fear. We see it in our community and our culture. But we also see it in our church, right? We see it in our families. We see fear and anger in our marriages, in our homes, and our lives. They turn life upside down. They, they remind us that we're not in control and it hurts and it's scary and it's hard. We recognize that control is the key. We recognize that peace comes when we can find control. So how do we gain control? I have three thoughts for you on how to gain control if, if, if fear and anger are a part of your life. First, I would encourage you in this. Remember that fear and anger are real emotions. They are things that we feel when we don't have control. We live in a world that has fallen. Jesus told us very clearly in John 16, In this world, he said, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. Fear and anger are emotions. And let us remember that emotions are not sins. Our emotions are not sins. Frustration, irritation, constipation, they all happen naturally, right? Those are all natural things that happen in our lives. These are real. And honestly, like so many things are out of our control, our emotions are also out of our control. It is not a sin for you to be angry. It is not a sin for you to feel that fear, to say, I don't know what's coming here. Those emotions, those feelings, they are not sin, I encourage you in this, though, to accept and be aware of your emotions. 
when you're angry at someone or when you feel fear from a situation, ask yourself, why do I feel this way? What about me feels threatened? What feels out of control? There is nothing wrong with feeling this way, so be honest about it. Talk these feelings out with someone in your life who cares. Let them help you be honest and to process your feelings, to put them out there and say, why do I feel this way? What is happening that is out of my control, that has put me in this place, that makes me feel this way? Second, may we accept the responsibility of our actions. May we recognize that we don't control much in this world. We don't even really control our emotions, but we do control our actions. We do control our actions. The few things that we do control, that is one of the key things we control our actions. And may we remember that if we repress our anger and or fear or the combination of them, they will boil over. You've probably experienced that before, right? You push anger down inside for so long and eventually there's nowhere else to put it and it all comes out. Unfortunately, on probably someone who doesn't deserve it and even if they do, they probably don't deserve all of that, right? That never goes well. May we be reminded that we need to talk to people. We need to be open. And if we have fear, we need to be proactive. I would say this for fear and anger. We need to be proactive in both of them. Recognizing that in fear, the best thing that kills fear is when we are proactive and step forward into that fear and start to address it. And with anger, the best thing that we can do is, again, attack the anger, be proactive, and start to communicate in love as much as we can, start to communicate the hurts that are on our hearts. This week, I've done a lot of research into anger, specifically anger in the Bible. Recognize that anger is dangerous. And what do we find is the most dangerous anger? unresolved anger is the most dangerous. That leaves room for the devil to have a field day in our lives. He will wait till just the wrong moment and it will all come out. May we be honest about our anger. Apologize if we need to, have conversations, and after being open and honest, then take meaningful steps forward. And I encourage us to be loving and graceful through all of that and not to give ourselves not to give ourselves excuses when we blow up on someone, even though mistakes and moments like that do happen. In the Bible, we recognize that anger has been misunderstood at times, and I really believe that. From Paul, we very clearly see that Paul reminds us that we have to address our anger and address it immediately. His famous quote on anger is, do not let the sun set on your anger. Don't let it happen. In your marriages, in your families, in your relationships, here at church, in the community, don't let the sun set on your anger. It's just is going to build. It's just going to boil. It's just going to explode. Have the meaningful conversations. Be open. And then recognize that in some ways, all you can do at times is express your heart. One of the things that I also notice from scriptures is that we often use a moment with Jesus to sometimes give ourselves excuses for being rude in the world. Many of us know of the moment where Jesus is at the temple and he goes to the temple and, and Jesus sees some people changing money at the temple, right? And he, he, what he really sees is a situation where the poor are being taken advantage of by those who are in power. And so Jesus goes into the temple where they're exchanging money so that people can have sacrifices and things like that and, and try to connect with God. And Jesus sees them being taken advantage of. And so Jesus comes in and what does he do? It's this famous kind of out of character moment for Jesus, right? Where he comes into the temple and he starts flipping tables. 
I've read all four passages in Scripture about this over and over again, and a few things I've seen. First, I will say, his actions are dramatic. They are, in some ways, violent. John talks about Jesus picking up a whip and chasing people out of the temple. That's, that's kind of dramatic for Jesus, right? Like, that's like, our, whoa, Jesus did that. Like, it kind of is, is out there for us, and we recognize that. But you know what you don't see in any of those passages? They don't use the word anger. It never tells us that Jesus was in there angry, that he just walked in and snapped and all of a sudden Jesus turns into a raging bull of fire and starts chasing people out of there. Jesus has been in the temple before. He knows that this is happening. Jesus wants to bring healing to the temple and so he shows up and after fully considering the situation, Jesus heals the temple. And he does it in a way that I imagine, yes, there is violence there, but let's recognize this is Jesus doing that. And, and actually in some of the passages of scripture that talk about this, Jesus immediately after those moments is so He's not blowing up, and I don't know about you, but like when I blow up, like I need like an, an eight-hour jog around the community to like come back to some kind of normal situation. Jesus immediately after these moments is seen with people seeing him as someone who's approachable. The poor and the hurt and the sick are coming to him. They're seeing someone who's approachable, and Jesus immediately begins healing and loving and caring for people. He brought healing to the temple, and he brought healing to the people there who needed it. May we make sure that we are not using Jesus in this moment of Jesus' life to give ourselves an excuse for when we are jerks, to be honest. May we not be rude and mean and hurt other people and say, well, look what Jesus did and try to give ourselves that excuse. May we recognize anger for what it is. Anger is an emotion, but no actions made in uncontrollable anger are positive. That's not how it is. And so may we do everything we can to understand and control our anger and may we recognize the best thing that we can do is we can sit down with our loved ones and we can have honest conversations in our marriages, in our families, with our parents, with our children, with our friends. If we are angry, sit down and have a conversation with them. Learn to express our feelings in love. and Learn to hear their feelings in love. And it's sometimes recognized that all we can simply do is express what's on our heart and then let it go. Let it go. Love each other. And that kind of finally leads us to the most important thought when it comes to peace. And the one that makes Christmas so essential to peace is that thought of letting it go. Because the most important thing I think for us to do is to recognize and to be honest with our lack of control in this world but then to hold on to the faith and truth that we have in God's overwhelming control in this world. What peace do we see in Jesus' birth? We don't see peaceful moments. We don't see a peaceful atmosphere. But what we do see is peace-filled truth. God is in control. God is in control. In Joseph and Mary, we see two individuals who have to depend upon God when so much in their lives is out of control. In truth, they control almost nothing. But as they take step after step forward, they realize that God is shaping the world for them and that God is in control. And in this way, real peace arrives. In the shepherds, these individuals from the countryside that we are introduced to, we see these shepherds, we see these people, we see a nation. 
A nation that has been given promises, promise after promise after promise. And we see them marvel after everything they have heard and seen from angels to a child, including the big details and the small. Promise after promise after promise has been met by God. They are reminded, these individuals who control so very little, who have so very little, they are reminded that God is indeed in control. And yet again, true peace came into their lives. And so it comes to us. It comes to us. Our anger and our fear, they are real. They're not anything for us to be ashamed of. But what they are, they are something that can and will destroy our chance for peace. They can destroy our lives if we're not careful. May we be honest about the things in our lives that bring us to fear and anger. May we search our hearts for all that we don't control. And through it all, may we remember that while we have such little control and so much that we just need to let go, we have a God who is in complete control. And in that wonderful truth, let peace come. I'll be honest with you, if the situation that I described at times about wanting to hit a table in front of me sounded like it was like, like a little too fresh to me or something. That's because, and honestly, it is. Recently, I was in a situation where I was frustrated. Fear was put into my life and anger for being put there out of my control. And I'll be honest with you, I am still dealing with my feelings about that, having to talk to people and communicate them and to kind of open my heart about them. The emotions of fear and anger are both still real. And we can't just snap our fingers and tell them to go away. But I will be honest with you, I found myself thankful through that situation. Thankful for the peace that I was given from the very first moment. Peace that I know can only come from knowing that God is in control. So I didn't slam the table there in front of me. And as I process things, I am further thankful. Thankful that I can still sleep and rest and, and with a little work and talk with God, turn my mind off and find that peace because I recognize this simple truth that I would encourage you to remember. God is in control. God is in control. Christmas brought peace. It brought peace because Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, was a reminder that God is in control. Let your fear go. Talk to people about your anger. Know that God is there. He's got control. When we don't, May we be honest about it, but may we recognize that he has his hands in this world and God is in control. Do you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, God above, God, I thank you for moments of this Christmas story that remind us as we see kind of ridiculous things happen in a ridiculous journey from Joseph and Mary and we see the truths of them having the Savior of the world born in a cave, in a stable. God, we recognize that you are in control. God, as we see these shepherds who came and were amazed at what they saw, amazed because all the promises that have been made to them and to their people, God, it was coming about in such amazing detail. Why? Because you are in control. From the big to the small, you are in control. So God, I know that some of us here this morning, we've got some fears. God, I wish we could snap our fingers and those things go away. But God, we recognize we have to deal with those fears. 
May we recognize, God, that while the situation around us might be out of our control, nothing is out of your control. You are in control, and may we find peace. God, for some of us here in our marriages, in our relationships, in our walks, in just our life, as we see how life is shaped up at times, God, we've got some anger. We've got some moments that we just want to burst. God, help us to face those angers. Help us to be honest about what we're at, what's not in our control and help us to be able to express those things to our loved ones and to our friends. May we find peace in, in opening our hearts and being honest about how we feel. God, through all of that, may we recognize, God, that this world isn't made for us to have justice. It's not made for us to get our way. So much of that is just simply out of our control. But God, we recognize that it is in your control. Your justice and your will will be done. May we place our faith and our hope in that. May we, may we handle our anger through communication and love. Most importantly, in our faith in the truth that you are God, have this world taken care of. May we remember, God, that John 16, 33, you told us very clearly, your son Jesus Christ, he's told us very clearly that in this world we will have trouble. But God, may we remember that the verse doesn't end there. Jesus did say in this world we will have trouble, but then he continued and he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. God, may we recognize that you have overcome the world. Bring us peace this Christmas as we recognize it, God. Bring peace to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close in worship this morning?